Well, howdy, y'all, and welcome to an all-new episode of The Daily Grind. Well, good morning, and thank you for joining us on The Daily Grind. I am John Spencer, and joining me is my big sister, Carla Cogram. So happy to be with you. And I'm so glad she's here <laughs> with us, and we're going to get your day started on The Daily Grind, helping you brew your brain, sharpen your wit, and enrich your faith. We'll share a few historical events a rundown on today's date, and we will both go over some random musings just to help your brain gears get turning in the morning, and then I'll share a few thoughts on your walk with Jesus. Let's get this show on the road. Hey, good morning, Carla. It's Tuesday, December 12th. Woohoo! Good morning, David Grind. Good morning. 12 December, and that means there are 12 shopping days left till Christmas. Right, because we don't want to shop on Christmas Day. No. I don't know if you could. Are places open even to shop? Uh, a convenience store here and there. Gas stations. Yeah. Hey, on this date in 1787, Pennsylvania became the second state to ratify the United States Constitution. <gasps> That's right. Just after Delaware, right? Just after Delaware. We they go. were number one. Okay. Pennsylvania number two. On this date in 1901, Marconi sent the first Atlantic wireless radio <gasps> transmission, three little beeps, from Cornwall, England to Newfoundland, Canada. Wow. 1901. Three little beeps. Wireless transmission okay. across the Atlantic. Wow. That's, I still, I just don't even understand. I know. What a pivotal moment. Across the Atlantic, first of all. I know. Okay. Woo. I'm glad they did. Me too. And on this date in 1913, earlier, on August 11, 1911, Vincenzo Perugia stole the Mona Lisa from the Louvre. Yikes. They caught him. Yeah. December 12, 1913. And he was sentenced to 14 months in jail. Woo. <laughs> 14 months for the Mona Lisa. And the Mona Lisa came home. I think if somebody were to steal the Mona Lisa today, <laughs> they would at least double that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean at least I'm like 28 going, months in jail. Yeah, going, <laughs> oh, gosh. What? 14 months? Oh. That's crazy. Hey, you brought it back. Hey, thank you. Thank you. <gasps> no hard feelings. So on this date in 1925, the motel of San Luis Obispo in California, right there between Los Angeles and San Francisco, mm -hmm. opened. And it was the first motel. You mean you could just drive your car up and go to your room? The word, yes. Whoa. And motel is a combination of motorist Motor. and hotel. hotel. How about that? Motel. But the first one out there in okay. California, 1925. Okay. And on this date in 1953, Chuck Yeager oh. established the speed record of Mach 2.5, flying the Bell X1A, there which was go. a slightly larger but much modified version of the Bell X1. He was a cool dude. Chuck yeah, Yeager. pretty groundbreaking. Mm -hmm. And speed yeah. sounds barrier-breaking, too. <laughs> right. <laughs> Twelfth. It is Gingerbread House Day. Oh, how much fun is that? Okay. I know. Yeah. You guys going to build a gingerbread house this year? We usually have a competition. Mm. 
the children in teams. We'll see how okay. it goes. See how it goes. You should film that. Yeah. <laughs> oh Report my goodness. For prosperity. <laughs> um, it is Guadalupe Day. Okay. Which I think has to do with the Virgin of Guadalupe appearance that occurred probably sometime and whenever. Got it. Sorry, I'm not up on that. But anyway, if it interests you, Google it. Right. That's a verb now. National <laughs> Ambrosia Day. Oh, my. Like the salad or like the sentiment? The, um, you know, I, I'm not sure. Oh, okay. This was a busy week for me, and I just kind of <laughs> went and copied the national days down and didn't have time to dig into them. Okay. I would say whatever your favorite version of Ambrosia is, that's name it as your day. Right? Yeah, Make this it is, yours. Yeah, okay. it's just, that's my Ambrosia day. <laughs> It could Very be clear. for people named Ambrosia. Oh, it could. I, you know, you know, if that's oh. you, your parents named you after a Cool Whip salad, <laughs> love them anyway and claim that day. Happy day, Ambrosia. Happy day. <laughs> yes. Oh, my. It is National Dingling Day. All right. I'm all about that. I'm spending a day with those people. So. <laughs> which, which always makes me think of uh, Edith and Archie. Oh, gosh. Oh, no. It's also National Poinsettia Day. Oh, to which my people are allergic, so we have silk ones. Yay! That silk ones are so easy to take care of. Yes, they are. And that's the time on the daily grind to sharpen your wit. The time zone used at the International Space Station, Carla, do you know what that is? What a great question. Do I know the time zone, or do I know the... (laughs) International Space do you, Station. <laughs> do you even know that there is a space-time measurement? Oh. So, uh, on the International Space Station, they use UTC, which is Coordinated Universal Time. Oh, I'm not familiar with that one. And it is equivalent and lines up with GMT, which is Greenwich Mean Time. Okay. If you ever want to know what time it is on the space station, mm. it's whatever time is Greenwich GMT time. Got yeah. it. A group of scorpions. Oh no! Is called either a bed or a nest. Ooh, it should be something much worse than that. <laughs> something. Yeah, both of those are like, oh, but like birds' nest and yeah. beds you sleep in. But no, it's yeah, Ooh. it should be like a plague, or right? A, yeah an apocalypse exactly a a scourge (laughs) of scorpions i think we should we should be in the animal group naming business because the last ones that have rolled out there (laughs) i felt like it's just weak sauce heard of impalas no no i don't know how you i don't know how you get on that group but Mm -hmm. We should take that over. <laughs> Did you know, Carla, that there are more species of beetles than there are species of mammals, reptiles, amphibians, and roundworms combined? No way. Yeah. Beetles. No. Okay. Yeah. Oh Coleopteras. There's Ooh. a bunch of them. Yeah. No idea. And did you know that a two by four is not two inches by four inches? It's not. Nope. I mean, we still call them two by fours, but if you go to the lumber yard, check this out. Next time you're in the place where you can buy lumber, take your little tape, your 
Carolyn Spencer's daughter. Surely you I, I have, have a, a small measure tape measure <laughs> that you carry in your bag. You know I do. <laughs> so, so do I. So <laughs> anyway, a two by four is one and a half by three and a half inches. I am shocked. Almost stunned to speechlessness. Okay. So what's a two by six? Is it a one and a half? Probably one and a half by five and a half. Five and a half, probably. Oh, I'm headed. I'm headed to Lowe's after. after Okay. After school today. Check that out. Yeah. Will Rogers once said, (laughs) "Everybody is ignorant, only on different subjects." (laughs) I love him. Oh my gosh, what a quotable guy! I know. Now the reason that school buses are required to stop at all railroad crossings is because in 1938 there was a terrible incident south of Jordan or Sandy, Utah where a bus didn't stop struck by a train. So it is for safety's sake. People stop at railroad crossings, especially those big yellow things full of kiddos. So just be patient. Don't drive around them. Don't cause them problems. Just wait. During the filming of the Kachoo episode for the Brady Bunch, Yes. That's where Jan is thought to be allergic to the family dog, Tiger. Oh, okay. You know, I don't know if you remember watching the Brady Bunch. I saw every episode of the Brady Bunch. Mm -hmm. So if you remember the family dog, Tiger. Yes. um, Anyway, there was an episode where they thought Jan was allergic to her. And during the filming... The handlers took Tiger out for a walk, and he was killed by a motorist no. in between takes. <laughs> no. And the, the trainer went to do local animal shelters and oh. found a dog that resembled Tiger enough to finish taping. Oh, no. Yeah. So if totally you watch the Kerchew episode, that's a different Tiger at the end. Oh, more research I have to do today. Oh, my gosh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know the stuff they just. Passed off on us. Oh. <laughs> and we didn't even notice. Didn't That's even notice. Thing. I know. Okay. What should you give your parents at Christmas? Oh, that's so hard because they have everything, you know. I think it is so easy. Here's what everybody should give their parents. What? At Christmas. You tell. A list of what you want. <laughs> Right for all the younger crowd out there, I'm just take that to heart. That's what you give parents. Tell them. (laughs) Tell them. Tell them. Carla, do you know what comes at the end of Christmas Day? Um, Christmas night. The letter Y. Oh, okay. All right. (laughs) There you go. All right. And just a little bit of Christmas trivia out there, Carla. What was the earliest word used for the term Christmas? Um, ooh, I might go out on a limb and say Yule, but Yule would be correct. Oh my gosh! I'm yes. Stunned. Oh my gosh! Okay. I would so take you Whew. to the pub with me on trivia night <laughs> anytime. So yeah, Yule. Sound me up. Okay. So and so the whole traditions of the Yule log and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's where that comes from. Yule tide. Right. Okay. Yeah. And now it's that time on the daily grind. To enrich your faith, we're going to start on a exploration of the rich history of Christmas traditions, like Yule, Noel, and the Nativity. 
See if we can't uncover some of the hidden origins that have woven themselves into this season that we know today. So as we look into the history, we can find ourselves at a crossroad of cultures and beliefs, witnessing the evolution of Christmas through the ages. You can find more on Bede in episode 113 of The Daily Grind that was released on November 8th. So Bede described the pagans kind of combining the December and January calendars known as Gului, centered around the winter solstice. Now, the Vikings, living in the northern reaches where the winter sun's absence was really felt, they celebrated the return of the longer days in a festival called Gil or Jol. That is the root of our modern English term, jolly. Yuletide, spanning from the modern-day Estonia to northern England, became a pivotal celebration, and it offered a break from the winter's darkness. Now, while Christianity spread and overshadowed these pagan beliefs, echoes of Yule persisted in really a lot of our most cherished Christian traditions. The revival of interest in Viking culture in the 19th century led to the rediscovery of Yule tribe traditions. Ancient rituals dedicated to Norse and Germanic gods such as Odin just permeated festivals, either from the ghostly wild hunt across the night sky to appease restless spirits. Uh, the Vikings held ceremonies that included sacrificing various plants, animals, beverages, Evergreen trees were mounted in the corners of homes or in longhouses and were decorated with pieces of food and ruins and statues and strips of cloth. And these trees are still erected in living rooms today. Bonfires illuminated the darkness, symbolizing the triumph of light over shadows. And the Yule log, a selected tree burned for warmth, and evergreens adorned with food and decorations evolved into familiar Christmas customs and wreaths. As Christian missionaries encountered all these rituals, a delicate balance was struck. The missionaries employed Christian reinterpretation. Learning the myths and religious beliefs of the Norsemen, they could then identify parallels with Christianity and link these beliefs together, making conversion more palatable to those reluctant to give up their centuries-old practices, like changing the birth date of Jesus to coincide with pagan winter celebrations proved an effective strategy. But while missionaries like Bede were hard at work melding paganism um, with stories from the Bible, the pivotal figures in binding Yule to Christmas were people like King Hakon, the good. The pivotal figure in binding Yule to Christmas was King Hakon the Good of Norway during the 10th century. The pivotal figure binding Yule to Christmas was King Hakon the Good of Norway during the 10th century. Facing resistance from conservative chieftains, Hakon decreed that Yule would align with Christmas on the 25th of December, and he intertwined those two celebrations into a collective consciousness. And so through political maneuvering, Yule and Christmas kind of became synonymous in Scandinavia, and traditions melded seamlessly. Throughout the three to 12-day celebration of Yule, 
They had vassaling or yuletide singing where young men would vassail or dress in costumes and dance and go from house to house singing in exchange for drinks and food. That kind of found a place in our Christian holiday of Twelfth Night or the 12 Days of Christmas, that epiphany that follows. Today, remnants of Yuletide celebrations endure. I mean, we have Yule logs, Christmas trees, Christmas ham, or the Yule boar, and the legacy of Odin. Some historians posit that the old white-bearded god on horseback or seated in a cart drawn by reindeer was transformed into otherwise known as Father Christmas or St. Nicholas. That's a figure that Scandinavian artists and authors contributed really into shaping. And immigrants from Germany and Scandinavia brought their versions of Santa Claus, as well as many of their best-loved Yuletide traditions, with them to the Americas and other parts of the world during the 18th and 19th centuries. Yule Log Christmas tree, Christmas ham, reindeer drawn sleigh, and perhaps even our visual concept of Santa Claus or Father Christmas find all of their roots in Yuletide. So here's the main point I want to make. 1 Corinthians 10, 25-28 says, Don't worry about where your meat comes from when you buy it or eat it. God made everything, right? But if you go to a non-Christian's house for dinner and they tell you the meat was sacrificed to some idol, then don't eat it. That's out of respect for them and for your own conscience. I think what this means is that as Christians, we can eat any meat, even if it was offered to idols, as long as we don't worship those idols or confuse anyone else about who we worship. And that's pretty important. And this applies here at Christmas, but it also applies to a lot of things in our lives at all times. There are many ways that our lives are influenced by our culture. And we need to try our best to live and celebrate in a way that shows how much we love and value Jesus Christ, not the world or worldly things. And I get it. That can be hard, especially around Christmas. We should display Christ at Christmas. The principle of thinking is like is this. We should display Christ at Christmas. And so thinking about it is like this. We need to show our children and our neighbors that Christ is the reason for Christmas. And we do this by keeping Christ at the center of our traditions. And we make sure that Jesus is the focus of whatever we do to celebrate Christmas. So I'm not saying, hey, if you're going to be a Christian, you can't have a Christmas tree or a wreath or a Christmas ham. None of that. What I am saying, though, is that we need to understand our responsibility really is just that, to make sure that Jesus is the focus of whatever we do as we celebrate Christmas. As always, thanks for joining me on another episode of The Daily Grind. I look forward to seeing you all tomorrow. If you get a chance, please rate and review the podcast, share it with your friends. It helps it continue to spread and grow, and I appreciate you guys helping out with that so much. So go out today full of grace and peace keeping Jesus the reason for the season.